Hello, welcome to the Nourishing Liberty podcast. This is a podcast all about our food systems and how we fit into them. And that means you, listener, what are the actions you take on a daily basis that affect our food systems? And how do our food systems affect your choices? Joining me today is a special guest, Emily Prieto from Seeds of Dow Regenerative Entrepreneurship. Emily, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your experience and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited for what we're going to learn from you today. Oh man, I'm so excited to be here, Liz. I think we're going to have an awesome conversation. Emily, our topic today is the top six reasons our food systems need a feminine balance. This is something that for you and me, this is top of mind all the time. Absolutely. I want to give you a quick introduction and what, how I know you. So Emily is the co-founder of a regenerative entrepreneurship program called Seeds of Dow. Emily, can you share a few bits and pieces about what that is? What is regenerative <laughs> entrepreneurship other than a mouthful? And why does it matter to our listeners? Absolutely. There are a hundred syllables, it feels like, in regenerative entrepreneurship um, <laughs> and maybe a hundred different ways to define it as well. Um, but we like to look at regenerative entrepreneurship as kind of in line with the impact entrepreneurship or the sustainability regenerative movement, but it's really people using the, the modality of entrepreneurship to create holistic regenerative change in the world. That's beautiful. That's something that we've both committed our lives to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So before we dive into the questions I have for you, I have some really exciting questions. Um, you know, I want to also reflect that both of us are women with children. We're both mamas who have dedicated a good portion of our lives to creating these new systems and to creating accessible ways that we all can access local foods, a holistic approach to lifestyle, regenerative businesses. Like that's our, what we live and breathe. Absolutely. And that's our we've done this because of our kiddos. So that's going to be an underlying current. And I know that for the uh, women I encounter who are part of this movement, it's, it's also a driving reason for many of them. But can you start with Emily, before we get into the, the top six reasons, can you start with why specifically regenerative entrepreneurship is important to our food systems today? Absolutely. So as many people know, I mean, regenerate, the word regenerative or sustainable is slowly getting into mainstream language, but very slowly for the most part, it's been this really edge culture right? And so people who are trying to create these change, these changes, there's different ways they do that. Some people will go more through, through policy. I know you deal a lot more with that side of activism. And then there's this other level of or this other way to get into the mainstream. And that's through businesses, through entrepreneurship. Um, because entrepreneurship and through the marketing of their message and the purpose we as entrepreneurs have a huge opportunity to not only educate, but start changing the way that people are thinking. And I think that people who are really 
purpose-driven and, you know, really trying to make change, I think creating these businesses and working collaboratively with others who are creating these regenerative angled businesses, there's a huge opportunity to really broaden the conversation and get it into more households, get it into more conversations. Because instead of seeing all the, the ads and different things from all the attractive businesses, they can also see positive things happening and positive ways that people can contribute. Because a lot of people don't necessarily, you know, they'll see it, but then they'll still go and make their same decisions because they don't know another way that they could make those decisions. And a big way is through their consumer choices. And those consumer choices can be broadened if there's businesses in the market that are offering more regenerative solutions. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And, and that's so much of what we both stand for, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So diving right in, Emily. Now, the angle that we're looking at today is the feminine balance. So I love that description of regenerative entrepreneurship, but what is it that women in particular bring to regenerative entrepreneurship? And is this concept or is this a way, is there a way to build that fits more naturally for our feminine energies that we offer to business? Now your experience in regenerative land design and regenerative businesses are the, that's a big part of this. So tell me what you've observed in the years you've been doing this in terms of seeing a feminist perspective and how important that is. A absolutely. Perspective, I should say. A feminine perspective. Absolutely. Um, and a mama bear perspective, which yeah. is a little bit different as well. Um, so I think that there is a huge opportunity um, for women to step into this space because we can have so much impact. We, as women, we have a lot more impact in the market and the choices that people are making than we, than we perceive a lot of times. Um, but specifically in terms of regenerative, sustainable solutions, um, not only do we have an opportunity to help others make make these regenerative choices. But if we are in actual the driving seat in the entrepreneur seat, we can bring something completely different to the table. And unlike a lot of really developed industries that are already, there's a huge hierarchy. It's very, uh, women, you know, women are the minority and there's a lot of men at the top, at the sea level, making the big decisions. Starting as an entrepreneur, you can have that bring that feminine energy. Now it's, I still find that women are, there's not as many women and men in this work, but this is not such this overwhelming industry that we have to fight against this huge, I don't wanna say this huge pay, patriarchy that's already established, but it kind of <laughs> is, right? It's not this huge thing. We have, there's a lower bar of entry for us as women to get in and get heard. And it's such a collaborative industry because people understand that it's not going to be one business that's going to change the name of this movement. It's going to be a hundred businesses helping in all different sorts, all different ways that add together to the greater whole. And we need that feminine voice. What I have found is that women, we talk about bringing this different energy, <laughs> right? Um, I think that women naturally are more connected with the regenerative movement because we are more, more regenerative beings in our in of ourselves. We have a different energy exchange with the with the earth 
um, bringing life and shedding what we don't need. It's just, it's a different connection with nature. And I think that that, that feminine energy and that feminine strength, that higher level of intuition that we have as women is extremely needed in the workplace and is extremely needed in the regenerative realm. Because really that conscious energy exchange of, of the environment and with those around us is what extractive businesses are lacking. They're lacking a feminine power and a feminine energy presence. Not saying that they all have to be run by women, but that energy presence would change the name of the game. Yeah. You said a word there that I'd like to go back and make sure that we define extractive practices. Extractive. So I, I think I know what you mean by that, but can you make sure to clarify that so everybody were all on the same definition page there? Absolutely. It's kind of the antonym of regenerative, right? It's kind of like the opposite, but extractive practices are those that are constantly taking away, taking away from the people they're serving, even if they're quote unquote selling things to better their lives, but it could be extractive to those people's health. Um, extractive in sourcing their materials that are taking things away, extracting things from the environment and not giving back and to another level, even destroying more through the things that they're taking. It's this, this takeaway energy, taking, taking and not bettering, not multiplying. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Now that makes me think of, um, actually this really beautiful quote by, um, chief Powhatan and he, in a letter to captain John Smith, you know, we're talking about 400 years ago now, uh, he wrote whatever time frame. I don't know, 400, 300, he wrote a letter to captain John Smith and said in that letter, he said, why do you take by force that which you can have through love? And I think that that sums it up so clearly and concisely that regenerative entrepreneurship is taking a moment to pause and say, what can we have through love and nurture? While extractive production is the taking by force. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And who better to bring that nurturing energy than the women? Yeah. And also the, the, the feminine balance, right? Because I yes. think we both believe that men are vital. Absolutely. <laughs> and <laughs> what they do is vital. And that often the, the feminine energy is present in men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's also about being able to balance those two in each of us and between us, right? Exactly. So, I want to make sure that we're not excluding the role, the involvement of men or that masculine energy, but that we're, we're, we're taking a pause and taking a moment to say, what specifically does the feminine energy bring to this? Because I know we both have wonderful men who are involved in our ventures and your husband is your co-founder. So these, these are vital roles. And we're taking a moment to highlight some of the feminine perspective on this. So also, Emily, getting to point two, <laughs> worldwide and historically, women are majority responsible for food security in our households and communities. Mm -hmm. We are pivotal in this movement right now where we are needed 
to rebalance our food systems. What can female regenerative entrepreneurship bring to this movement and why? And what can you say about system and design thinking for a renewed food system? Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, the all the female regenerative entrepreneurs are also going to be the main householder that is making the purchases, right? <laughs> we're not only going to be making businesses to serve those around us, but we're also living in a space where we're making a lot of a lot of the buying decisions. And so not only as, as with all women, that we, we have the power with our dollar, they say, you vote with your dollar, right? The businesses that you want to support and everything or not support, um, but especially as a women woman regenerative entrepreneur, a huge phrase, um, <laughs> <laughs> just keep tacking on adjectives, um, but especially as, as that, in that type of position, you are increasing your, not only your, your sphere of control, but your sphere of influence and your sphere of impact, mm-hmm. because you are able to see the lacks in the market, the opportunities in the market to replace extractive choices with regenerative ones. And then not, and then not only seeing it, but being able to offer a solution and then to bring your, your nurturing, expansive energy to it so that you can help um, expand the message so that others can see those choices and make those choices at well, as well. And to start that like thought change. Um, in terms of regenerative design, there are so many things in regenerative land design that apply to regenerative business design, to apply to everything. It goes all over the place. But one thing I really like to focus on is observing and then interacting. And as women, we have a huge opportunity to to observe. We observe all the minuscule things in the home, minuscule, but they add up and make a big difference, right? But there's a thousand decisions that we make every single week. And if we start really honing in and observing those and where where is the opportunity? Where can we make better choices? And then interacting, that's a big way. The same goes for if you're the women entrepreneur, not only do you see the things in the home, you see the things in the market, but you need to be seeing the things, the how people are behaving, talking with people, you're going to get different things out of talking with your clients than maybe your male partner will, because you're going to level with people on a different, on a different level. Uh, leveling on a different level. <laughs> um, so you're going to get different answers and be able to uncover their feelings about things a little bit better if you bring your feminine energy and your nurturing energy. And so with that information, you can change your messaging so that you're really speaking to the pain and the, the problem that other people are facing like you are facing. So you can better speak to them in their time of pain and show them a better way to do these things. Therefore, grow, therefore growing your enterprise, therefore spreading your positive impact, positive influence, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot there that there's a lot there that you just said that I want to comment you on know. <laughs> what I, what I heard, you didn't say this word, but what I heard while you were talking is empathy. Mm-hmm. And that, that natural tendency to empathize, which a lot of, a lot of humans have. 
And I was also thinking about the ways that I've experienced in my circles that women are natural connectors. And I mean, a classic example is if there's a family emergency, the women organize and provide meals. If there's a birth Mm -hmm. or a death, the women organize and say, bring meals. And that's an example of uh, some of those ways that the, the non-economic ways, I mean, it's all economics, but, you know, stepping outside of that monetary exchange of entrepreneurship, so to speak, we're still supporting each other in some vital ways. And it also made me think, now we had a moment before the podcast started where we, we, we were reflecting on our grandmothers. And I know that in, in my world, my beloved grandmother was the social calendar keeper. She took care of all of those extended connections. She maintained those relationships. She organized the gatherings. And it's often unpaid and unspoken contributions that matter so much. Mm-hmm. And that are a big piece of that decision-making process and how we fit in the world, how we fit with each other, how we fit in community. And that as me, women, that, we're really the glue there in the community. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now I do know a few families where the men have taken on that role, but that's, that's, really small minority compared to the overarching contributions that women make to that social glue, as you're saying, to the relationship building, to the connections, to the way that we, uh, you know, uh, an example that I like to use is that w- the way we can meet another mother at the playground. And within one hour, we know each other's intimate birth stories. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> like, you would not have that same conversation with a man like ever. No. No, it reminds me of, we we were talking about kind of the the glue of the grandmothers. Um, I have a very good friend in Canada. Her name is Marie Pierre, and she's part of this organization called ReFarmers, and they do work in Africa to help foster regenerative change through permaculture there. But what they found in the community, it it is the grandmothers who are making most of the decisions. So they work directly with the grandmothers in the community to cause the greatest amount of positive change so that there is food available in that space because it's it's a it's a food issue and they're planting food forests and stuff, but through the grandmothers and that's how they're creating change. See, that's amazing. It reminds me of the, um, uh, I'm probably not gonna say this perfectly, the Haudenosaunee native tribes here in my area of the world, a little further north than me, but that New York, um, area and and the history they have with the same thing where it was the grandmothers and the mothers who were the ultimate decision makers really profound when you get that level of uh wisdom Mm -hmm. in that decision making process and that level of respect i mean it, it it the wisdom and the respect go together they go hand in hand yeah wow it's hard to like step back from where we're going with <laughs> into the nitty gritty, but um, 
here in America, Emily, and I know you're currently not in the States, but you are from the States and spent the majority of your life here. So you can speak very yes. clearly to this. Um, so here we make, women make most of the food buying decisions. We need to reclaim our place in the social, political, and cultural sphere, right? So point number three, how can specifically the angle of regenerative entrepreneurship help us create these new food systems with women already in that role of making the buying decisions? Yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier, if you want to create mainstream change, especially in the food system, I mean, it's going to be through businesses offering better solutions. Um, it's one way that it's going to happen is through businesses offering regenerative solutions. I won't say that that is the only way because it's not, but it's, it's definitely, I'm remiss if I don't express that because that's a huge market changer. It's a huge game changer for what is available to people is through the businesses, therefore through the entrepreneurs. And so, but we need the right kind of entrepreneurship, not just another extractive business, right? We want to step, step up and offer better solutions, not just another bad option. And women are going to see the needs of communities differently. The feminine energy, if, and if men tap into their feminine energy, they're going to see the needs of the community in a different level so that they can better address the needs of the, that community. And chances are the needs of that community is not unique to only that community, right? Yeah. Start with your community and then build out because there's lots of communities that have they all have, you know, their unique struggles, of course, but there's a lot of overarching themes that, that people are struggling with. And so we can, through entrepreneurship, we can broaden that, broaden that reach, that positive impact. Yeah. And I think specifically because of the entrepreneur side of things is naturally incentivizing, right? Where we all want this better world, this peaceful world. But how do we get there if we're not naturally incentivized through earning a livelihood through it, right? As we rebuild systems that don't constantly need uh, the economic or the, the currency angle, right? So, okay, so point four. This one's a tough one because what we see is that so often women bring amazing ideas, amazing passion and skills to the business world and their support role is vital. But we also see where that contribution is often the less visible side of it. So can you speak to that for a minute and talk about how regenerative entrepreneurship and the, the feminine role in that can help bring women into the visible spectrum and why that's so important. Sure. So it sounds weird, but I come from a long line of invisible women. Yeah. Like really invisible women. I remember my mom talking about going to visit my grand, her grandparents in Idaho and they were sheep farmers. She like never saw her grandma because she was always in the kitchen, 
always doing the home things and they go, will go out with grandpa and grandpa was doing all the fun stuff with the sheep. Right. Wow. And, uh, one of my grandmothers, both of my grandmothers were always in the home when I saw them, but my one grandma, my mom's mom, um, she, she didn't work while they were married and she stayed in the home and she was very disempowered. She was content and she found joy in what she, in, in her life and everything. But if you would really start talking to her, she would always talk about, she would lift you up at her detriment. And yeah. she would say, oh, you're so smart. I wish I was as smart as you. I'm so dumb. I'm like, grandma, nah, no, you're amazing, right? But there was kind of this cultural women disempowerment thing going on, right? And slowly I've seen that, that shift. And each, mm. from, from my perspective, each generation of women in my family is less disempowered than the one before, <laughs> right? Um, but I think as a society, we're coming into this new space where we're rethinking the roles in the home, rethinking the quote unquote place of women, if there needs to be a designated place of women, right? And I think that regenerative entrepreneurship is just one of the avenues for women to step into their power yeah. because we have it, whether we see it or not. And we can choose to foster that growth or to let it dwindle. And it is such a shame when you see women who have let their power dwindle because you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their lives. And it's, there is nothing wrong with them at all. It's something that, that has happened and it may have been a lot of cultural forces putting them in that position, but we have to look at our opportunity to either let our power dwindle or, or really step forward into that space and the, these positive changes that we're wanting to make women and that feminine energy, it's a very passionate, very empathetic energy. And it is an excellent way for us to step into that through entrepreneurship, through the regenerative entrepreneurship, because it's just making things better. It's helping, it's nurturing our people, nurturing our planet, nurturing our future. It's really a natural way for us to expand our energy and also increase our impact, which is so empowering for us. Yeah, Emily, you said so many things in there that deserve a pause and commentary. And I think we all have profound personal stories where we've seen circumstances like that. And, and however far back we have in memory of our families. And I also wanna mention that whatever we're doing or not doing, that is the impact. So by not doing, you are also having an impact. Is that the impact you intend, you want? Yeah, but mm -hmm. I, I love that your message is so strong, so clear that we all have this in us. We can all do this. Our worth is there no matter what's happened in the past. Our worth is there to step into these vital roles of regeneration, of nourishment, to nurture, to the earth, to our communities, to our own families. And that's also that um, not at all to... Um, 
counter or disparage the women who strongly choose to step into that role of domestic nurturer. And absolutely the woman who maintains the household and maintains all of those domestic responsibilities. Those are very important roles. There is no role more important than nurturing the next generation. And absolutely. I know that we both know incredible, strong, intentional women who are choosing that role, choosing it powerfully and raising, rearing the next generation. Absolutely. It is, it is nothing to say that stay at home moms are just disempowered because that's, that could not be further than the truth. Yeah. And not every woman needs to go out and start a business. Yeah. Right. Find your way to bring your power for some. It may be through starting a business for others. It may be being an activist and getting involved for others. It's going to be helping in the community for others. It's going to be really finding ways to do that through your family. And all of those are, are vital and important and valid. As long as you're doing something to, to increase your impact, because there is so much potential with the women on the world right now, there's so much potential. So as long as you're finding your own way to, to magnify that, everyone will be benefited. Yeah. And I think also that what I see, I mean, directly related to food systems is the women who are choosing that domestic role. You have so much power in your choice of where and how you're buying food or growing it or teaching your children about it. That is a hugely empowering position and taking the moments to be intentional and thoughtful about Mm -hmm. that rather than automated. Exactly. As long as you're being intentional. (laughs) Yeah. It's so easy to get into that automated zone of, um, click, click, click purchase and rather than examining and being thoughtful about it. And this is not to put any blame anywhere. We're all overwhelmed. It's simply to say there's so much power in there and being able to take a moment and look at your power is empowering. Exactly. <laughs> the same word exactly. over and over. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. And and I think both of us are deeply committed to finding all the ways we can empower our our neighbors and our community members and our fellow women entrepreneurs and our fellow uh, feminine farmers and all those connections, all those ways to empower each other. So that, I, I want to end with that. Definitely, it's all about empowering each other. Hmm. All right. So point number five, this is, this is a lot, this is a lot of heady stuff. So (laughs) I want to just give a quick shout out, a quick acknowledgement to following along and being part of this conversation. We of course, welcome your comments. We welcome your participation. And I know that Emily would be happy to go further in this conversation with any of you. So I will put in the show. Absolutely. Emily's contact information and how you can get a hold of her so you can continue this conversation should it be of interest to you. But point number five, how do we use the principles of regenerative design, regenerative entrepreneurship, and design thinking to bring more balance into our home lives? You and I have discussed this at length. This is a constant tug of war for all the women I know. 
We have so many expectations on us, cultural, familial, personal, our own expectations for ourselves. What have you seen and how do you advise female or women regenerative entrepreneurs on this particular challenge, the the home, the balance? This is a big question. Yeah. (laughs) That could be its own book. Yes, I agree. I agree. So let's let's do three top points because you're right. This is a huge bite to chew. Yes. Okay. So first off, I would say um, applying the permaculture principle of small and slow solutions. <laughs> Love that. Um, I think all of us women know that if you try to, you know, change everything overnight, change your diet overnight, change whatever overnight and do huge things, it's not sustainable. Therefore, it's not regenerative because it doesn't work. Yeah. So it doesn't work. Little bits, little, little tweaks. Um, I'm always in the process of tweaking just my morning routine, mm-hmm. but I only change one thing at a time. Because <laughs> I'm always reading books, you know, and there's a million ideas, but just, you know, change little things at a time. What's the next thing I can be intentional about? what's the next step I can do? And that's okay. Cause it's building a habit of consistent progressive improvement, I think, which is important and, and, and intention with that. So small and slow solutions is really key. It's easy, but it really adds up. Um, another one from permaculture is use and value your resources this is so vital. Resources, I'm talking about your time is a resource. Your energy is a resource. Sleep is a resource. Thank you. (laughs) You said it out loud. (laughs) It is. Sleep. Sleep, mamas. Yes. Yes. Food is a resource, of course. And all the other things that are encompassed in self-care. If we are not managing our resources, using and valuing our resources, we can't show up and impact anyone. We can't show up as our best selves. And shout out to all the moms out there that feel like they're mommy martyrs. You've got to take care of yourself first. I know it's hard. I've been in those shoes so many times. I can't even tell you. I get mad at everyone else Mm. and everyone else but really I'm not taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Our resources have to be on point for us to create the change that we want to see in our families, in our businesses, in our world, in our communities, everything. But our resources have to come first. And then another, a third one, I guess, that I will throw in there that's a big theme in regeneration and permaculture is collaboration. Mm-hmm. Collaboration is really huge. I know a lot of times we may just really feel alone. Yeah. Even if we're surrounded by a hundred people in the house all day long, we can still really feel alone and feel like the literal weight of the world is on our shoulders and it is heavy and it sucks. So we have to remember that we are not alone. We can ask for help. And so many women I've seen have started to do this, exchanging babysitting days for for date nights to go spend time with your spouse. Or 
I really, I want to work these days. Do you want to work those days just with a friend? And then they can take turns with kids or exchanges in the community with carpools or all kinds of things. There are an infinite amount of possibilities for collaboration to make your world easier. You don't have to take it all on. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I think you just spoke to the hearts of many, especially young mothers. And by young mothers, I mean mothers with young children. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Early on in that motherhood journey, I know, Emily, I know that um, when my children were younger, I was surrounded by children all day long. And I felt so alone at times. And that's a refrain I hear from other mothers all the time, just that, that incredible loneliness. And, and to some extent, what I've observed in my community and in communities all around me, and quite frankly, communities everywhere, uh, is that we've created this cultural situation where we're all isolated. Absolutely. So the principles that you're talking about are simple, not easy. I'm not saying easy. They're simple principles that many traditional cultures lived by for millennia. It's this recent, and I'm not saying that their lives are perfect in any way. And we can still bring some balance through what you're talking about, the collaborations, through reaching out, asking for help, especially even when it's the hardest to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have to figure out where, I mean, we're involved in a bunch of communities, but is it your community? Where is your community? Where can you go? It can be a group of friends, whatever, but it's not social media. Yeah. It's not. But there are communities, even online, where women are coming together. Women entrepreneurs are coming together to support and empower each other. There's place, there's safe places to go, even if you don't feel like you're physically surrounded by other supportive women. There are spaces. Yeah. So find your community. You're not alone. And yeah, reach out. But especially when it's hard, when you that's the last thing you want to do, that's when you need it the most. Okay. So to recap those three, just three points of how to use regenerative design within the home life for balance. That was slow and steady changes. Mm -hmm. Number two was- And value your resources. Use and value your resources. I love that. And number three was the connection. Yeah, Connection and collaboration is key. And collaboration. Those are really wonderful points. Easy to- reflect on. Thank you for that. Now for the final one, and we're going to get into this point six, the top reasons why our food systems need a feminine balance. And this is point six here in America. And unfortunately adopted by many other countries and cultures our businesses are dominated by quarterly profits. I want to mm -hmm. add something here that many businesses 
and economic decisions are also dominated by risk-taking and risky behavior, the appeal of that risky behavior. The feminine perspective of nurturing Mother Earth and all that entails, <laughs> let's just leave it at that, broad strokes, and really not being dominated by the stronger masculine energy of now, 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 risk, 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 quarterly profits, means that we can adopt a more nourishing approach to food production and to entrepreneurship, to business. Hopefully one that is not based solely on profit, but on the values of regeneration. Let's discuss this. So first off, I think we have to be careful with the word profit because a lot of people can um, kind of retreat inward with that word because they see it as so negative because we always think of, oh, that's all driven by the profit, it's driven by the profit, and it's all extractive, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a hammer. It's a tool. Depends on what they do with it, yes. right? The same Profit in the hands of General Mills is going to be used differently than in the hands of a regenerative business. So, so let's, I think everyone, especially those who are focused on impact driven business, regenerative business, positive change, we need to kind of release our bad juju with the business words like business and profits. Mm -hmm because they are not inherently evil themselves because it's just an energy exchange, yeah. right? Yeah. You can be a business, you can be an entrepreneur and you can make profits that doesn't make you evil. It's just an energy exchange. You're giving energy and you're receiving energy, right? Yeah. So we have to be careful in that realm, I think. Um, and therefore we can choose to focus on on positive energy and positive impact. And, and the business is just a mechanism to increase our positive impact. And therefore, as a woman, we can bring the feminine nurturing energy and magnify that nurturing energy, right? There is a definitely a definite yin-yang with the energies here. I know that so many women entrepreneurs in and out of the regenerative realm struggle with that energy balance in themselves, the masculine and the feminine energies. Because a lot of the business talk is, the business conversation is in the masculine energy. We talk about the grind, the push, the sprint, these forceful energies. <laughs> and we don't have to bring that always. There is a time and a space, but we can also bring the other side of the energies the nurturing, the cleansing, the, the supporting energies, the expansive energies, as opposed to that constrictive, that constrictive energy. And so therefore we can use that energy in the market to kind of counteract and give a contrast. So everyone doesn't always have to choose the masculine energy messages. Yeah. Right. Which you see a lot more of that in regeneration. There's a lot more feminine energy, whether it's from a woman or not, in the regenerative realm because it is from a nurturing perspective. Nurturing yeah, people yeah, planet in the future. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And specifically, like we've been saying, in the, the area of food production, production, we have an extra leg up because we are also in the trenches while we're trying to change the dialogue. So, and I think, I think that creating, creating entrepreneurial change, but also through grassroots is so much easier for women. Because like you were saying, we are the glue of the community if we choose to step into that role. And so, so we can have a totally different start of our business that doesn't just have to be focused on, on the numbers, though the energy exchange is important and valid, but we can come at it from a different perspective because we can come at it from a community perspective, a community building perspective. Yeah, the, what you're talking about is making me reflect on the work I've been exposed to and done in the realm of complementary currencies and what that means to a community and to incentivize that a different type of behavior, right? One example, one small example of that without getting too far into this, <laughs> down this path is that uh, the when you have this big national currency, there's a interest rate attached to it, which incentivizes that hoarding of money. So you see pools, pools of that, that currency, or as you like to say, that energy, because it's a, um, it's a measure of energy, right? Mm -hmm. You see pools of it. Where do you see those pools? You see them at multinational corporations. You see that in the 1%. And it's a stagnation of that energy, so to speak, versus a complementary currency, which is naturally designed to flow rapidly like we have in the root word of currency current right mm -hmm. current it is current. Low. Flow rapidly and when you have that rapid energy exchange through the local complementary currencies you just see a completely different economy in those communities so mm -hmm. that's a whole nother conversation but you totally sparked that uh, principle and that idea. Uh, so I wanted to just comment on it. And also going back to your comments on profit, that profits are not inherently bad. In fact, they are necessary if you want to stay in business. You need a profit in your life anyways, even if it yeah. comes from an employer. <laughs> you yes. have to have that energy intake to be able to give energy out. Exactly. You can manage your resources, right? That's just another resource. Yes. Yes. So I like, I like that point and making that point for everybody who, who doubts the importance of that, right? That it is fundamental in a sustainable regenerative business that you manage that resource. It is only mm -hmm. one of the many, right? Because we also have the material resources and the way that those exchange. Like the way Absolutely. that, uh, for example, household furniture gets handed back and forth between different households or handed down or auctioned or yard sale. Those are also resources that you, that mm -hmm. get, become part of that flow. So yeah, important, important concept to remember that profit is among the resources. It is not the only one and it is not inherently anything. Exactly. It has the value we give it the impact that we give it, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. And specifically when it comes to food production, I think that that is an important or food, any of the food businesses, not just the production side of things, but the processing, the distribution, the value added, like all of these things. Now, one thing we've touched on previous to this conversation is the idea that in within food production and within a community, however you want to define that community, local, more broadly than that, however, that um, I kind of lost my train of thought on that one. <laughs> um, what was it? Something about food production and the nourishment that is necessary for that. Anyway, we'll come back to that. But, um, oh, I know what I was going to talk about. That within food production, the ultimately all the food comes from the earth. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those natural resources. And really, truly like the very fundamental definition of natural resource. It's like our food and our water are the yeah. most fundamental components of what we need, our needs that don't come from within our own body, like our sleep, right? Mm-hmm, but these external mm-hmm. resources, the water and food and how- And the air. And the air, exactly. Yes, 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 of course. <laughs> of course. Um, those three things, the air, the food, and the water, mm-hmm. these are truly natural resources that we all depend on and that come to us freely through the earth. And the, how to put it, the dichotomy between what it takes now versus what it took a couple thousand years ago to be, have those basic needs met. And what does it mean to that feminine balance or the feminine perspective of our food systems that we now rely on shall we say, external non-natural resources, most of us, most of us do not grow or produce or hunt all of our own food. In fact, very few of us produce enough to rely on for those basic needs to be met. So we have introduced this other component of needing this created, human-created currency to exchange for the basic needs. So what can you say? Can you say anything, a couple words about that? Because that's that's a big, heady concept. I don't want to get too far off on that, but I think it's important to address that natural resources versus the man-made, man-created resources. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's been a lot of replacement, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everything, like you said. Um, but those of us who are aware and feel the call to protect those resources, it is therefore our responsibility to do something about that. Not saying that we need to make everyone completely self-reliable. Again, slow and small solutions. What can we do in our lives to not only uh, control those resources coming into our lives, but help those around us? Yeah. This, what little thing, what little step can you take? Can you grow a little bit more of your food? Instead of buying apples at the store, could you put an apple tree? You know, little things, because it's not going to be overnight or it's not going to be sustainable. 
what little things can we do? And if you see an opportunity and if you have the call to build a business around it to increase your impact, so other people who may not have that opportunity to replace that certain thing can do it by all means. Is everyone going to be called to do that? No, that's okay. What can you do? How can you be intentional with it? I love that because I just published a piece called uh, 31 ways we can contribute to revitalizing our food systems, something like that. I'll put it in the show notes. And it was all about those little things that each of us can do in our daily lives. And if you're not called to grow food for your entire neighborhood, well, maybe you're called to babysit or play with a child so that the person who wants to do that is freed up to do that. And it's all about those little steps and where your contribution fits into that much bigger picture. So Mm -hmm. this is a great note to end on. Empowering, right? Get out there and do your small step wherever that fits in in your life right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not gonna look like your neighbor or your best friend. And that's okay. In fact, that's even better. Because if we all did exactly the same thing, our impact isn't going to be very good. If everyone planted an apple tree, great. But what about everything else? Yes. Your impact is going to look different. It's unique to you. Figure out what you feel called to do and then baby steps. Well, I love that you said that because the way I look at it and the analogy that I use, which I love, I love my little analogy here is that like each of us are a tree in the forest, or each of us are a flower in the meadow. And we need all the different trees and all the different flowers. We can't have a forest full of only oaks. It would collapse. We can't have Mm -hmm. a meadow with only one kind of grass. Everything would die. So we need all of these little things. We need the milkweed and we need the hibiscus and we need the elderberries, right? I'm definitely speaking mid-Atlantic region uh, <laughs> by a region here, but we need each of those. So I, I've always said, you know, women are like trees in the forest. We're all different. We're all beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? I've never yet met an ugly tree. Have you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and we're all needed. Mm-hmm. We need the stay at home moms. We need the moms who are pursuing careers outside the home. We need the moms who are building businesses and being entrepreneurs. We need the women who are taking a stand from the activist perspective. We need the businesses pushing the envelope. We need all of it, all of it, all of it that's positive. We need all of it. Yeah, exactly. And on that wonderful note, Emily, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing your wisdom and your experience to this conversation and for sharing that with the Nourishing Liberty audience. Thank you listeners for your contributions, each of you making a special and unique contribution to the regeneration of our beautiful world. Emily, any final parting thoughts and where people can find you? I will also put this in the show notes so that you do not have to remember this. There will be a link. Awesome. Um, I guess the last message I would just like to say is find your power and use it for good. No matter where you're at, no matter what stage in life, go do it. Um, And like you were saying earlier, me and my husband co-founded Seeds of Dow, which is where we help impact entrepreneurs to really seed 
plant the seeds of regenerative change. Um, our avenue is through helping entrepreneurs to expand their, their positive impact and helping them to know how to do that through core competencies. We especially like to focus on marketing and message, which is our superpower. Mm -hmm. And it's so needed so that we can talk to the right people to create the positive change we want to see. So we are at Seeds of Dow. Dow is spelled like the Dow Day Ching, T-A-O. Um, seedsofdow.com. <laughs> We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. And we, we have lots of little free resources, community resources for anyone who's looking at being an entrepreneur and creating positive impact like that. So definitely come hang out and continue the conversation. Indeed. And I'll reiterate that your messaging is very positive and upbeat and you do have a lot of free resources available for those who are curious or at the beginning stages. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Emily. And as we always say at the end, eat for health, know your neighbor, and grow some food. <laughs>